God is often unreasonable. Uh, I'll temper my remark to you as I go along. But God, to us, is often unreasonable. A serious problem with working with God in life, and if you're a born-again Christian, you're going to be working with God day to day, moment by moment, is to realize this, that God will come oftentimes to you from the, your left field. I mean, just something not seen, blindsides you. I, and oftentimes the things he does in your life will not at that moment make sense to you. Uh, it'll buck your logic. It'll push your boundaries. It'll open your horizons. It'll crash through your gates. And as I've often said, it will knock your socks off. We have a statement years ago, I put it in advertising, preaching that it'll knock your socks off. I wasn't talking about me, I was talking about the Word of God. If you preach the Bible, it will knock your socks off. It'll come at you. It's aggressive. If you're a reasonable person, or at least believe yourself to be a reasonable person, you, you will find that God in some instances in your life will appear unreasonable and even contradictive to what you believe he should be. Uh, he may ask you some very strange and even crazy things for you to do. And the question is this morning, are you prepared for the wildest ride in your life? Because God's ride is not boring. He will stretch your very imagination and what you maybe envision your life to be, especially if you are saved early in life. It'll help, and you think you know kind of what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to look at maybe one of the most glaring examples of this in Genesis chapter 22. I want to read 11 verses, and I don't normally read a lot of Scripture, but we're going to this morning to help you have a context and a feel for this. And I'll make a few comments. I hope we can go away from here having heard from heaven. In verse uh, 1 of Genesis 22, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. The word tempt is not to tempt to do evil. It's to test Abraham and say unto him, Abraham, behold, here am I, he said. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Now, we don't know about that, but God had told him where this was, what to look for. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. There was some identifying feature that he was given. And Abraham said to the young man, abide here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. And you know Abraham was from the south. And worship, the part I want you to maybe underline or, or mark in that verse, and come again to you. My son and I are going to go yonder. And then we're going to come again to you. That's interesting, huh? And Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac, his son, and 
took the fire in his hand and a knife and went. They, uh, they went, both of them, together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Now, you can read that any way you want to read it. But that's foreshadowing what's coming. And they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son. And laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. And he did not, as you know the rest of the story, did not slay his son. There was a ram caught in a thicket. He went and got it, and they used that for a burnt offering. I want to make a few observations of what I just read. First of all, God asked Abraham to give the most precious, valued possession his long-awaited son that was supernatural. It was birthed when he was 100 years old. His wife way past, already, already through menopause, unable to have children anymore scientifically. God just loves that. He loves to blow science out of the water. The boy was a miracle boy. By any given stretch of the imagination, Isaac was a miracle boy given to him from God. This was no ordinary thing that happened in Genesis 22 here. Secondly, we understand that Abraham knew beyond any shadow of doubt that God wanted him to do this. Now, I want you to get this part. This was not a leading of the Holy Spirit. This was not a scripture getting bold as he read the Bible. These are phrases that I've picked up through the years. People told me, tell me how God speaks to them. It was not a whisper or a still small voice in the ear of Abraham. This was absolutely undeniable, the request that God made of him to do what he, he was asked to do. Understand that. Because a lot of times we condemn ourselves for not being more like Abraham, but it, it, it would only seem right that you should not be required to do what Abraham has done unless you have the same playing field Abraham had. He knew it was, not, it was not iffy, it was not up to any, he could not have made a mistake here. God said, do it. God appeared to the boy, or appeared to the man, let him know this is it. I want you to go, here's the place, here's what it looks like. When you get there, I want you to offer your son as a burnt offering. 
Now, human sacrifice is against the Bible. It's against God's word. Remember when I said something was, something was, uh, sometimes God will come out of left field on you here? I mean, Abraham could have argued with God a little bit. Now, wait a minute. Human sacrifice? You know, you condemn the heathen for doing that and sacrificing their babies under, under their God. And, and it's, but human sacrifice is not, it's not. He didn't question it. There's a reason why, and we're going to get there. Thirdly, we see that Abraham, on this concrete evidence and command from God, knew he was willing to bet his life this was God doing this. He obeyed. He obeyed. Why? God had appeared to him at first and given him this, this child supernaturally. And as Job thought, uh, in Job chapter 1, verse 21, it says, a naked came out of my mother's womb. I came out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Job was before Abraham. He may have even known about Job. He may have known this. God who gives has the right to take away. I hope you get that real good. The God who gives has the right to take away. The God who gives us life has the right to take the life. He's not doing you any wrong. I went to high school with some boys, or, you know, all our graduating class, about 18 years old. Numbers of them boys went to Vietnam and lost their life at 18 years old. They went to their, their flag-draped funerals. And I often wondered why Bloom and why Sigsby, my two, two people I knew well, only lived to 18 years old and why God's let me live all the way to 67 years old. But God did not do those two, Bloom and Sigsby, an injustice at 18 years old because he gave them life as a gift and he has the right to take it at any time. And so that'll keep you from getting bitter at God when wild and crazy stuff begins to happen around you. And it will. If you believe that God is good, if you believe that God knows best, do you believe God knows best this morning? You know, they had a show on years ago that you young people will not remember, Father Knows Best. How many remember Father Knows Best? I know you young people, don't raise your hand because you have no idea. You have to get on, now you, rerun, rerun, Father Knows Best. If you believe that God's good and God knows best, you'll trust him. And you'll trust his decisions even when you don't understand them. But you must, and it's reasonable that you must know that it is him. And that it is, it is his will. And, and by the way, he believes that too. Fourthly, Abraham, once convinced that it was God, obeyed blindly. As you read through the past, he just obeyed blindly. This actually was the object of the whole test. Does Abraham trust me when it seems unreasonable what I ask of him? I hope you get it. Does this, do, you, do you believe, do, will, you, will you believe God when he asks you to do something unreasonable? 
I don't doubt that God's come around to some of you folks who wanted you to teach Sunday school and you, you reasoned with God like, like crazy. You went, you went off into this, well, I'm not a good speaker. I'm afraid to get in front of people. I, don't, I have a lisp. I, I stutter. I, I got this problem. I got that problem. You list this whole problem. Stop. You believe God's good? You believe God knows what he's doing? If God makes it clear to you that you're supposed to teach for him, teach for him. Obey him. The object of the test, does Abraham believe I'm good? Does Abraham believe that I'll keep my word when it, when, it, when it looks like I cannot keep my word? For God had told Abraham unequivocally that through Isaac a whole nation would be born and the whole world would be blessed. So one plus one makes two. Genesis chapter 22 verse 5 says, uh, as I mentioned before, if we read it, uh, I will go with the lad, and, and we're going to both come back to you again. He, be, he believed from the very get-go that God was going to, this, this boy, he may, I may cut his juggler vein. He may bleed out. I may burn him on that wood pile, but he's going to come back with me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I think he believed in a God that could do anything. I, believed in, I believe he, he believed the kind of God that Jesus said that with God, nothing is impossible. Verse 9, they came to the place. He laid him on it, as you know, as I read before. And I like where it says he stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. Now, now these people were rural people. They knew how to slay an animal. They had slayed Every time they went, when I went to Haiti the first time, and we bought some goats for supper. We bought them on the hoof. They were alive. And they were nice, oh, they were nice, cute little goats. You don't eat old goats. You eat young goats. They're less than a year old. And I bought three or four of them, and we, 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 you know, the kids played with them and everything, and we tied them to a stake, and, said, and they said to the ladies, the Haitian ladies, that's our supper tonight. Oh, they're thrilled to have fresh meat. And I said to Serge, I said, uh, what's going to go on? You Do we clean them? I thought the maze, the old men don't clean the animals. The women clean animals here. I thought, I may move down there. <laughs> so... Stop it. So the, we, uh, the girls got the knife and enslaved, you know, cut their throat, bled them out, skinned them, gutted them, and chopped them up and cooked them. That was some of the best goat I'd had because I'd never had goat before. <laughs> but I, as goat goes, it was the best goat I ever had. I had had some horse meat before in college. That's how bad off I was. But... Uh, he said, I'm going to come again to you. God will provide himself. And when his son even brought it up, he said, well, now we're in the, like he's right at the moment of killing this boy. We're not very far away from killing this boy. And he says, God's going to provide himself a lamb. Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. How do we know he believed God? He bound his son. He laid him on the altar. He piled the wood up. He pulled his knife out. He raised it up. 
This is similar to what, G, what, was gonna, what God the Father was going to do to his only begotten son. 2,000 years down the road. Just like God the Father was going to do to his only begotten son, he was going to lay him and bind him to a piece of wood. And this time, there would be no one. There'd be no one to intercede. Oh, oh, how God loves us. If you and I could get a glimpse of the love of God. If you and I could get an idea how much God loves you. You wouldn't backslide. You wouldn't care about this world. You would be zealous for good works. The Father did something he did not even ask of Abraham. Hebrews 11 Take your Bibles, if you would, to turn to Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Accounting, of whom it was said that Isaac should be, thy seed be called. Accounting, that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Now, we would not know that had it not been for the book of Hebrews. From whence he received him in a figure. God the Father slew his son, but he understood also there was going to be a resurrection. For it was not possible that death could hold him. For he had told Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Believest thou this? If you believe it, you live for God, brother. There's nothing going to stop you. Death won't stop you. Fear won't stop you. Anger won't stop you. The, de- the, the forces and powers and the principalities and thrones and dominions will not stop you. Because God himself will intercede for you. This whole thing was from left field. 
I'm talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get the idea that the devil knew what was going on, but I don't believe he did. I have proof. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now that's good news. That's not like that fake news you see on all the major channels. This is good news. This is real. You can take it to the bank. Even Satan was taken off guard. How do you know that? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I believe Satan, if he understood the big picture on on crucifying the Christ, and that he would be resurrected and conquer death and and conquer the power of of Satan himself, that he would not have done it. But the Bible says the princes. Now, some people will say, well, that means the leaders, the human leaders. I don't think so. The scripture refers to an invisible kingdom of wickedness, the devil being the head of it. It says in John 12, 31, now the judgment is of this, this is the, now is the judgment of this world. I'll get it. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. He's not talking about a human being, brother. In Ephesians 2, 2, it says, which in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the prince. In Daniel, we also understand that the prince's that he talks about there in Daniel. He's not talking about human beings. I believe it was Gabriel he's talking there. Gabriel was not held back by a human being. He said the prince of Persia. That's talking about a supernatural, invisible kingdom that's going on. The princes of darkness. I don't think you're ever going to guess what God's got going on in your life. You will not realize the outcomes You will just have to blindly do his will one step at a time. Brother, when God called me to the ministry, I thought he was making the biggest mistake of his life. And sometimes I still wonder about it. I'm just a junkyard dog. God's allowed me to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. How did he do it? One step at a time. Just one step at a time. Sometimes it's crazy. When I was in third grade, I had an old saved, born-again teacher ready to retire, and she brought me over to her desk, and she said, Billy, she said, you're going to go to college. I said, no. No, I hate school. I failed third grade. All my, all my friends got to go up. I had to stay back. You know what kind of a bus ride that is? Do you people understand what a bus ride is after all your neighbors and friends get to graduate? You're too dumb to graduate. He said, she, she failed me. And she tells me I'm going to college. Like, Maybe I need to go to college, that's what she meant by that, but I sat in sixth grade with my head down on the table. 
when is this going to be over? <laughs> you never saw a guy more discouraged than I was in sixth grade. You know why? I had six more years. <laughs> and then first six seemed like that was eternity. God said, go to, so I wanted to go to a secular school. I wanted to go to some secular school, join a fraternity, have parties, and wild child. God says, no, you're going to Bob Jones. I said, Who, what's that place? Oh, my, 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 my. Are you kidding me? I was told when to go to bed, when to get up, make my bed, how to clean the sink. And if you didn't do it right, they called you to the discipline committee and gave you a bunch of demerits and, and slapped your hand. And here I am, a big, tough, brave 18-year-old of my own car, own job. What in the world? These people treat me like a kid. Best thing ever happened. Then God said, I want you to go to Florida. Oh, not Florida. Not Florida. Please, 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 Lord, send me to northern Indiana. If you believe that, I got other stuff I want to tell you. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Like when I went to the Cayman Islands one time, I went to the Fundamental Baptist Church in Cayman Islands. I said, how do you get a call down here? Of course, I knew God has to do it. But I remember the first time he asked me to preach, I said, oh, no, Lord, please, I'm, I'm shy, shy. What I'm, I'm saying to you folks, just one step at a time. Trust him. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and to obey. No matter what God asks you to do, no matter how crazy it seems, if you know God's in it, do it by the grace of God. Give, go up there and make a fool of yourself. Go up there and do, just do what God, maybe stutter, maybe get to King's English or slaughter it or do whatever. Or maybe your nose runs when you cry. <laughs> Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God that worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Oh, it's a beautiful thing to walk with God. It's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful to know that he's with you. I don't doubt that there are some folks in this room that you're wondering whether you should trust God or not. I could line the people up over against the wall, all the old people, not all the old people, but some of the old people, against this wall and have them get up here and tell you how God's helped them in their life and how it's been a beautiful life for God. How many testimonies do you have to hear? I'm 67. To a 20-year-old, that's ancient. To an 80-year-old, I'm a kid. Brother, we're not lying when we tell you it's the best way to live. We're not lying when we tell you to trust and obey. We're not lying to te when we tell you the Bible's true. We're not lying when we tell you there's a God that can help you and he'll walk with you and eventually take you on to himself. We're not, we're not lying when we tell you there's a God that's preparing a mansion for you and a place for you in heaven that loves you and gave himself for you. We're telling you the truth. Believe it. And find out for yourself, because God wants you to find out like Abraham found out, and I've found out, and others in this room have found out that God is good. 
And God keeps his word, and he'll never fail. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we ask you that you'd anoint these few words. I feel so, I feel so inadequate. But I know you're adequate. Please do a mighty work. Honor your son, as I know you will. May some folks this morning get saved throw, and throw it in for God. Throw their life in. Get all in for God. Get all in. Quit playing around the edges of this thing. Say, I'm all in, God. I'm all in. For God doesn't show himself to people that are half-hearted. He only shows himself to people that are with all your heart. If you want to know what it is to be saved and have your sins forgiven, we're here for you. The invitation time, you come. Let us take in a room back. Just, just show you the gospel like we were shown. We're not hurt you. Maybe you're here. The, you say, Brother Bill, I've been backslid. I've been on the edges of this thing. Don't waste your days. You only have a few of them. Use your days for God. You come. You come. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.